Hey, Bubblies, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble, that little old podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today I'm so excited because it's podcast crossover day. I'm happy to finally have with me today my podcast brain twin, who's only a little obsessed with Finn Whitrock, the amazing host of It's a Fandom Thing podcast, Erin. Hi, Erin. Hi. I, I love that even my obsession with Finn Whitrock even goes over to another podcast. <laughs> You That's pulled what me down. Known for. <laughs> you have sucked me down that rabbit hole. And I thank you. Because You're I mean, she's already sent me, you guys, like she already sent like four videos. Yes. I <laughs> stopped <they're>, myself. <laughs> We all need our daily dose of Finn, and that's quite all right. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh. thank you for having me on, though. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> uh, she's been gracious enough to have me on her show a few times, so I figured it's probably about time to return the favor. So here we are. <laughs> uh, and we're not going to be talking about Finn Whitrock and his amazing hair, but it may come up. Who knows? Uh, but we are <laughs> today. Aaron and I are going to be traveling to Baltimore, Maryland. The love and primary setting of the hilarious, the weird, the absurd, the great John Waters. I'm sure we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of his movies. So please be sure to check the uh, episode description for which ones we hit. And we'll go ahead and get started. So, Aaron, tell me about your your first exposure, so to speak, <laughs> to John Waters and his and his art. And and I think he would love the way you described him too in the beginning. I just want to say, and then also using the word exposure because you know he would get a kick out of that. Uh, definitely, hairspray was the first one when I was young kid. I was watching hairspray, and then I remember recording it on a VHS tape. Yes, VHS tape, mm-hmm. and playing that over and over and over again. I was obsessed with that one. So it was hairspray. Was so that's why hairspray holds a very special place in my heart. It's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. But it holds a very special place in my heart. So, right on. yeah, yeah. I was trying to think about that. Like, which which John Waters movie did I see first? And it's it's somewhere. It's a toss up somewhere between Crybaby, Serial Mom, and Hairspray. Mm-hmm. I, I there must have been at just a point in my life where all of a sudden I I found one and was like more and <laughs> and just those were like the first three that I had consumed. I want to say maybe cry baby because of Johnny Depp because of young Mm -hmm. hunky Johnny Depp. So, but as soon as I saw it and I just, I fell in love with it and slowly kind of came to know who John Waters uh, is and his style of filmmaking and was like, I'm especially after seeing serial mom, I'm like, I'm all fucking in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's, and so, yeah, been, been a fan ever since, um, you know, he's a lot of his early stuff. I didn't really know about until later in life. So mm-hmm. uh, like Pink Flamingos, you know, some of his more well-known, I guess, early movies, you know, Pink Flamingos, Multiple Maniacs, Female Trouble. Oh, God, what else? Because there's like a polyester polyester <laughs> which I watched this morning. <laughs> and then there was another one. I think it's like Desperate Living. But it, yes, he, he refers to it as like the trash trilogy. And I love that because it's true. <laughs> and <laughs> Yep. (laughs) So have you seen, are you familiar with his earlier movies? I am. And that was also the same thing. It was later on in life that I started watching them because I I mean, I will admit they're not my favorite in his repertoire, but I mean, in order to 
I appreciate John Waters fully. I think you do eventually have to watch some of these. You don't necessarily have to watch all of them, but I think you have to watch some of them, especially to get how important Divine was to his whole career Mm -hmm. and how important Divine was, period. Mm -hmm. And also just getting to know a lot of those actors that he had in his like little crew there, you know, like Meek Stoll and a a couple others as well that Mm -hmm. he uses constantly, Um, which is a good thing though, because he uses people that would never ever normally in that industry ever get a second look. So Yeah. So I, th- I think, yeah, I mean, I watched multiple maniacs for the first time to prep for this and that one was a little hard. <laughs> I will admit, <laughs> I mean, cause he does some things that I'm like, Oh my gosh. I mean, of course everybody knows in pink flamingo with divine yeah. eating the dog shit and actually really, that yeah. really happened Yep, and that kind of stuff. So it's like, you're kind of like, okay, I love John and I love this stuff, but then there's a part of you that's like, this is really sick, but I think that's what he wants you to Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I mean, it's even when you're a fan of John Waters, when you watch the early stuff, there's because there's, he's no hold bar. He hits all the taboo marks and buttons. You're going to encounter something you, you're not going to care for. And so like, I didn't rewatch uh, Pink Flamingos because I was like, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I did watch multiple maniacs uh, for the first time. And I'm like, I'm grinning during the movie because I'm like, this is so John Waters. And then there's times where I'm like, I don't really like it, but it's so John Waters. And I appreciate that nothing is off the table when it comes yeah. to what he's willing to uh, put on screen. <laughs> and right. <It's> very true. <laughs> so out of some of his earlier works, uh, which ones did you did you get a chance to maybe watch like Female Trouble or any, any of his earlier stuff? Mm-hmm. Like I, I watched multiple maniacs mm-hmm. and um, polyester. Sadly, I didn't get to watch female trouble. So, cause I had, my list was very long that I was trying to get to. Mm-hmm. And sadly, so many of these you can't find or you have to rent and stuff. At least for me. I mean, I know I should utilize my local library. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> So I know that, I mean, I was able to like buy a hairspray for very cheap. So I just went, I'm just going to buy it because I didn't happen to own it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but polyester was a first time. And so was multiple maniacs. And, you know, it's funny because they're both kind of in the same realm of like, you know, just really bizarre out there stuff. But what was interesting watching polyester is you kind of see how he's kind of growing and coming into the hairspray realm because even though there's outrageous stuff, like, you know, the main character that divine plays, she has this heightened sense of smell. And so she's smelling everything. So it's like this, it's funny when divine does the scenes and is just like, like almost like, like she's trying to mimic a dog or something. (laughs) And, and I don't mean that as like an insult. It's just the way she's doing it. And like, she finds out her husband's cheating on her and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like this housewife in the suburbs and it's his take on the suburbs and attacking the suburbs, which of course serial mom is too. But, and um, some of the stuff in there, even though it's outrageous still, like her son is like, he sniffs a bunch of like glue and then he gets off on watching and looking at shoes, which I think plays a part in a lot of John Water stuff. Yeah. And all this weird stuff. And, but there was still this other like kind of heart to it that I 
think sometimes was lacking in some of his earlier stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I think you find more once he starts doing the eighties and nineties movies like hairspray and those ones. Mm -hmm. But I liked him. I, I mean, multiple maniacs. I don't think I'd ever watch that one again. I'd watch polyester again. I just don't think if I'd watch, watch multiple maniacs just because there were so many things that were hard to really like watch. Like even the, even the um, armpit licking scene was so hard to watch. <laughs> I'm just like, ew. I'm just thinking about like deodorant and like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'll lick a lot of weird things. <laughs> People have weird true. kinks. I'm not going to kink shame because right. I have weird kinks. But that's just, I don't know why. I just was watching that going, ew, that's probably so gross tasting. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you really got to give it up to divine for doing so many outrageous things oh, you know, I know man. for the art you know to to become that big star and everything so I know. but damn i don't know if i'd i don't i don't know no thanks but yeah multiple maniacs was was fucking wild and it was the the church scene with the rosary I'm just like laughing and disgusting and just like, and, but also like, Oh, John. <laughs> yeah. And then the lobster, the end. Yeah. In a bonkers ass movie, like how far is too far. Right. And all of a sudden, like this fucking lobster, giant lobster comes <laughs> bursting through the wall and yeah. Content warning, like rapes divine. And you're just like, how many drugs were you all on? Cause how why <laughs> even in an insane movie this doesn't make sense <laughs> i know but that's john waters it's like you kind of could excuse almost anything john waters does because it's john waters <laughs> exactly that's the only only answer ever ever needed to be given yes. is it's john waters and everyone's like oh okay fair <laughs> yeah <laughs> i didn't get a chance to get polyester in i wanted to but you know list was full. So, but I did get in female trouble, which is still very much like a kind of, <laughs> I don't know. So we follow divine plays his character, Don Davenport. And we follow Don from like teen to just kind of like petty criminal. And then uh, she gets married and then kind of goes on to like more criminal life or whatever. And then meets these, this couple and they own like some really stylish, fancy pants or whatever, posh uh, hair salon, and they pick their customers. So then she meets them and they're like, oh, we want you to be a model and like do all these like crazy violent things. And like, oh God. And then like Divine also has like a, a daughter who's played by Mink Stoll mm -hmm. that she's just, Dawn's just like the worst fucking mother. She's just like, she calls her an abortion at one point and like beats her and like eventually kills her because she goes on kind of like that killing rampage again. And <laughs> that's how, it, that was my takeaway was like, this is the story of Don Davenport being a terrible mother. <laughs> being a terrible mother. So she eventually gets like, caught and oh she gets like burned uh acid gets thrown in her face so she's got like this weird makeup and to make it look like she's this crazy burn victim scarring and everything and eventually gets like sentenced to death found guilty of her crimes of you know murdering uh -huh. her daughter and such and and she's she's ready for her final close-up like this is kind of like her except she has made it so big and that was kind of like don davenport's like goal is to be some kind of like famous figure or something and gets gets shocked, puts to death, and dies in end credits. 
And I was like, that was fucking bonkers too. (laughs) So I think I agree that I think most people should, uh, if you haven't checked out some of his earlier works, I think you should. Mm -hmm. And because you see a lot of the influence in the, in his later movies, like the more toned down imagery and concepts, but they're all still there. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're, they're nuts. Yeah. And they're not, they're hard to watch some of it. I Mm -hmm. I will say, I mean, I love, I think John Waters is an amazing human being period. I just, I love him, but it is hard to watch some of those scenes. If you're queasy at all, if you're, you know, I was kind of like, okay, I've got to make sure I'm not eating when I (laughs) want because I know I'll be in trouble, but I can watch some of his other stuff while eating, but I can't watch this. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's true. It's like, those kind of, you just kind of have to play it along. Like, okay, am I going to be grossed out by this one? Grossed out by that one. And I think that's the way most people were felt about him when he first came around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I asked my husband the other day, I was like, well, I was like, I got some John Waters movies to watch. You want to watch one with me tonight? And he goes, I don't know if I'm in the mood for a John Waters movie. (laughs) Yeah, you have to be in the mood. I agree. And I was With the like, exception of some of his later stuff, but yeah. yeah. I was like, fair enough. Fair enough. So, because then like the next night or whatever, I was watching Hairspray, the, mm-hmm. the original with, you know, Divine and Ricky Lake. And I love that movie so much. It's his like only PG movie. So it's mm-hmm. still, it's very tame. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But I love it. It's got uh, Debbie, Debbie Harry and uh, Sonny Bono and, oh, God, who else? Just uh, just Rick Ocasek a, from The Cars. Has oh, that that's little- right. And uh, Pia Zadora. Yeah. Just a bunch mm-hmm. of folks. And probably his most well-known movie is Hairspray because then it got adapted into a musical. And mm-hmm. then we got the remake, which... It's fine, but I like it. I know you don't like it that much, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> the hardest part for me was just John Travolta. It was just I couldn't get past like the makeup and the and the face, but everything else was fine. I didn't mind it, but I I prefer I prefer the original, just the dance yeah. scenes. So because I look at Hairspray as his like dance movie and Crybaby mm-hmm. as his musical. And and there's musical yeah. aspects components to both, but Crybaby, we get like the singing and the dancing and the please, Mister Jayla, <laughs> <laughs> and the high school Hellcats, and <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that one's probably the one I'm most familiar with. I have the DVD. I've got a shirt, uh, yes, which is awesome. It, it's got a young Johnny Depp, and it says uh, Crybaby Girl. So. Crybaby girl forever. One of my favorite kind of stories about like Crybaby is like one of the behind the scenes was um, because it has Tracy Lords in it and she's in a lot of his movies and the feds came looking for her one day. And so they like banded together and they hit her and then they all went around and shared stories about like, well, when I was arrested (laughs) and when I learned that, because that's on like the, the special features on the DVD. I just fell in love with him even more. John just being so embracing of the outcasts, the yeah. weirdos, the freaks, the drapes, you know. It's <laughs> I thought that was this like the sweetest thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's the kind of like go around and share a story about yourself I can get behind. And 
That's why I love John Waters. I mean, that's really what the main reason I love John Waters is, you know, he embraces everybody who is the outcast. If you felt weird or different for any reason, he will embrace you. With Tracy Lords, you know, she was, you know, just look up her history. You know, she was a porn star, but she was not treated well at all in that industry. Mm-hmm. And he gave her a second chance and launched like a quote unquote legitimate career for her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just amazing because most people wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, 99.9% of the people in Hollywood would never even think of doing that, no matter how gorgeous the person is. So yeah. yeah. Yep. Too taboo. And that's, but that's his yes. thing. He loves mm-hmm. the taboo and the way that he, you know, embraced Patricia Hearst and yeah. and gave her new life as as an actress. And I love. And when I first saw her name in a credit in one of the movies, I was like, not not the <laughs> Patty Hearst, right? Like, and I only knew just the bare minimum at that point. You know, I was young, and I was like, well, she was kidnapped and forced and brainwashed and all this other stuff. And I was like. There's no way. And, you know, this is pre-Google, so it took a while to, <laughs> I couldn't just like hop on a phone and confirm it. So yeah. when it when I finally got like the confirmation, I was like, that's even better. And then finding out that he like, he used to go to court hearings and trials and stuff like that. And I'm just like, he's an interesting dude. Mm-hmm. I love him to pieces. I do too. He's, he's on my vision board for interviewing. Actually, yes. I would love to sit down with him. And I mean, he's just, oh my gosh, he's just amazing. He's just such an incredible human being. And, you know, I don't I think you could be as weird and out there as you are, and he would not judge you for it. So I would just love to sit down with him and talk oh, to him. And I feel like he would absolutely love, would be like all for it. I think, I think mm-hmm. it's great that he's on your vision board and definitely <laughs> shoot that shot because, oh my God, that would be so amazing. I'm just going to sit yes. here and just geek out for you on the possibility of like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, Don't worry. You'd be one of the first people I would tell. So <laughs> I'm dorking out. It hasn't even happened. I'm like, yes, it's got to happen. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I'm just that excited. Um, yeah. <laughs> Another one of like my favorite, like of his nineties movies is serial mom with Kathleen Turner. Like how fucking amazing is she in that movie? She's incredible. And then we get like little young Matthew Lillard and just, he's so young and adorable. Like rewatching it the other day. I was like, Oh, I know. (laughs) Look at you. He's so cute. And uh, Sam, Sam Waterston plays the husband. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that was the first time seeing him in something wacky because I kind yeah. of just, I think must've known him as from more serious roles. So at a young age, it was interesting to see these very kind of more credited actors, you know, Kathleen Turner and Sam Watterson in a John Waters flick doing all these crazy wacky things like their sex scene. <laughs> just you know, their sex up. scene is amazing. <laughs> their sex scene is one of the best sex scenes in any movie so ridiculous (laughs) most of his sex scenes are so ridiculous and out there but yeah (laughs) yeah so what are your thoughts on serial mom do you love it as much as I do possibly oh oh my gosh it's really it's a tie between serial mom and crybaby for my favorites I just serial mom is so much fun and it plays into all the stuff that I love that's sometimes usually more serious like stuff about serial killers and 
horror and all that kind of stuff. And it's just so wonderful. It's such a great spoof on, you know, the suburbs and on, um, you know, on horror movies and whether or not that leads to real life violence and uh, our obsession with true crime and our obsession with criminals and all that kind of stuff. And it's done with such love and heart, which is amazing, which is an amazing thing to do when you're talking about a serial killer Mm -hmm. (laughs) because she's a serial killer, Mm -hmm. but you kind of love her. (laughs) Even though you're like, oh my gosh, it's just because a lot of the people she kills, you're kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, I can understand why you would do that. Except for, except for Patty Hearst. With, she's a, <laughs> with those wearing white after yeah. Labor Day. That was amazing. No, fashion has changed. <laughs> no, it hasn't. But I love how she just like blatantly does this stuff. Doesn't even worry about what's going to happen to her. She's just like, this is just what you do when you're trying to have a perfect life. Mm-hmm. And how devoted she is to her kids. And how she's just kind of like this. She's always looks perfect, always perfect hair, perfect makeup, perfect outfit, that perfect suburban mom. But underneath it, she like likes to watch those bloody horror movies with her son. She makes those prank calls. <laughs> pussy and Pussy Willow. I love that. Pussy Willow, so- daddy. <laughs> That's, and especially when she goes over to have coffee and she's like, just like, she just whispers that what she says, I'm not, I'm not doing it well, but the Pussy Willow thing, which is, mm-hmm. Pussy Willow. <laughs> and when she realizes it's her making those prank calls, just the way she plays that scene, just the way Kathleen Turner does that. I mean, Kathleen Turner is so amazing in this role. I think she's a great actress anyway, but she gives her all to this. She is not afraid to go out there and to just push the limits and push the boundaries and what it might make her look like or appear like to do a role like this and to be in a John Waters film. And I think that's the one thing I want to say is I think with John Waters, I think people might have hesitated to be in any film of his because of the lore surrounding him. But you can tell that maybe he's he's probably someone that people might dream of working with just because of the people that have worked with him. And I think he probably creates that environment, like you said, with the story with Crybaby and Tracy Lords, where it's a family mm-hmm. and you get that feeling, you get that sense, you know, you get that sense that he cares about all the people in his films. And so I think when you're taking someone who's such a big name star like Kathleen Turner and Sam Watterson too, and um, well, Johnny Depp was kind of becoming a big star, but that, and I think Johnny Depp actually, I read, did this, did cry baby because he wanted to break away from that teen heartthrob thing, yep. even though it's a play on that, but it's kind of a, <laughs> it's kind of lambasting it. Got another yeah. <laughs> yeah but, I'd yeah. read that too, but I'm like, I don't, that didn't really work. <laughs> It just pulled me in more and my Johnny Depp was like my first celebrity crush. And so, and it's John Waters fault. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's John Waters fault that I like Johnny Depp because I remember when that movie came out and I actually, I didn't watch 21 jump street at that point. And then I started watching it because of that movie, but I actually was not a big Johnny Depp fan at that point. Like I knew I had so many friends that were like, Oh, he's so dreamy. And then I saw that I was a young, like preteen teenager. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like, because he ticks off all my perfect boxes, the dark hair, the leather jacket. It's just like, it's like, oh God, dreamy. And then the opening scene and the tear and the look on his face. It's like, 
man, as a teenager, that was just it for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then I loved him. I mean, I'm not a fan of his anymore, but that earlier stuff, I just really, yeah, he was just, Oh, and then the singing, I mean, it wasn't him singing, but the singing. (laughs) Yeah. But he, you know, he had the moves and very like, you know, that kind of Elvis like, you know, plus with the hair and everything, maybe I'm just thinking of like the jailhouse (laughs) song. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and equating it to like jailhouse rock, but yeah, no, he was, yeah, very, very adorable, very hunky back. Oh in the yeah. Day. Very dreamy. And the little wisp of hair that was kind of over his <laughs> eye mm-hmm. and, and that leather jacket, just uh, leather jackets get me all the time. Oh, yeah. So that was just like, just the smell of leather, anything like that. Leather jacket, like, oh. motorcycles. I mean, I like, I've always kind of had a thing for the bad boys, as we discussed on our Dexter live stream. I like the villains. I like I like a good villain. I like I like a good naughty, <laughs> naughty man. <laughs> and so, yeah, as yeah. a teen, I was like, <sighs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I funny story about that. I actually I made my mom <laughs> bless my mom. I made my mom drive me and my friends in the pouring torrential rain downpour, like flooding on the highway, like 20 miles because it was the only place showing cry baby. And I wanted to see it again. And I made her drive us. <laughs> she somehow, she did this. I bless you, mom. Aww. And she drove us up there to see cry baby in this pouring rainstorm. <laughs> That's how much See, my fangirl heart has been yeah. there from day one. So that's how much I wanted to watch the movie again. So and enabled from the beginning. So <laughs> yeah, I know people enable it all the time. <laughs> I know I'm very much guilty of that. So and I'm not sorry. <laughs> um, one thing, one thing back to Serial Mom and Kathleen Turner. Um, one of the one of the things that makes it so much fun to watch is she looks like she's having a blast. Yes. And in uh, like a, one of the making ofs on the DVD, she said that this was like the most fun, one of the most fun mm-hmm. she had had on set and with a role. And that really comes through. And I think that's what makes it so enjoyable. And she's almost like our little suburban Dexter, except, you know, yes. her rules are a lot more loosey goosey because she doesn't really have any. <laughs> But, you know, she's out to right the wrongs and people that hurt her children or say bad things about her family or who just do things that she doesn't approve of, like not wear their seatbelt. She goes out and she takes care of it. And she's so, yeah, like you said, so brazen about it. And it made me wonder, after all these years of watching this movie, I was like, is this the first time she's killing? Has she always maybe had these tendencies, this dark passenger? Because we see she's got, she's looking at the photos of Charlie Manson and she's got all this memorabilia (laughs) from serial killers, which John Waters snuck in an actual card piece of art by John Wayne Gacy that uh, someone on set, someone, I can't remember who it was. He had gotten it from like was corresponding. So John Waters snuck it in when Sam Watterson's flipping through like her little album thing uh-huh. he picks up a card and it just there's nothing really about it but he just kind of picks it up quick I think and keeps going so it's a blink and you miss it kind of not and I wouldn't have known had I not watched the behind the scenes thing so oh, that's but, interesting yeah but I'm just like she kills the teacher and then she's so invigorated and then she has sex with her husband that night like the crazy <laughs> bouncy sex 
So it's like, is she just now getting that release and then now feeling kind of untouchable because she had her first kill. She got that rush and she's like, I can do this. I can be serial mom. Do you ever think about that or what do you? That's a good question. Cause I hadn't thought about that. Cause I just kind of went, okay, this is probably something she's done before, but that makes sense because like I said, she has, she doesn't try to clean up her crimes. Really. Mm-hmm. She doesn't try to cover it up. She like, Tries to she runs after someone with a knife in broad daylight on the, on the road up down the street. So it's like she doesn't care about getting caught because I think in her mind she's not doing anything wrong. Right. So why would she even have to go to jail? Why would she? I mean, I mean she does, and she ends up getting off anyway. <laughs> so it's like so because she's so brazen about it, and because she gets caught so quickly, it makes me think you're probably right. It probably was something that she had been fantasizing about for a long time. And then it just happened. She just was able to do it with that teacher. And then it was just like, boom, like, cause she had been doing other little things like the prank calls and Mm. probably things we don't even know about that we didn't see, but little things she would have done. And, and even like the scene where she tries to get the fly while they're having breakfast and the, you watch the fly Mm. land on all the food and the drinks and and you want to say, don't drink that, but uh, <laughs> watching her and how she's not really listening to her family. She's just so determined to kill this fly mm-hmm. because it's disturbing her family and disturbing her perfect life. That's her thing. She's like very OCD. She wants everything in the right place. She wants everything to follow this perfect trajectory and be this fly is like bothering that. So even that little scene kind of plays into that thing where she's just so determined to do that. She doesn't care what happens. She just wants to kill that dang fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that also kind of plays into her murdering thing. Honestly, it's just this determination for everything to be well. And once she was able to do it once and she felt invigorated and felt how alive that made her feel, I think you're right. Then she was like, okay, this is how I solve problems. And the scene, <laughs> the scene when she kills that guy that her daughter liked in the bathroom oh. and she's got like his liver on the end of the fire <laughs> and she just like ew ew <laughs> she's so disgusted with it and she doesn't know how to get rid of it and she does that so brazenly too she's just in the middle of a bathroom anyone can walk in in the middle of her killing this guy mm-hmm. walks out there and then later when her when her neighbor's like um you've got some dog dew on her shoe and it's the blood or <laughs> yeah but the core it was core <laughs> The neighbor later says, (laughs) it's amazing. But just the way she plays that of just, ew, ew, when she's just killed a person and she's just like, ew, I can't look at this liver. (laughs) I don't want to touch it. Yeah. She's just, oh yeah. No, I completely agree. That was one of my, it's one of my favorite serial mom moments. I mean, there's so many because Mm -hmm. she's so great. And I also like how the family, well, like the son, uh, Chip, and then the daughter played by Ricky Lake, they just they lean all in. They're like, she's serial mom and she is my mom and buy the merch <laughs> and sign the rights here. But they're all kind of terrified when she gets up. They're like, now what do we do? And it's like, <laughs> go home. Don't piss her off. And <laughs> I don't think she would hurt, harm her family. That's no. the one thing I get. She does love her family. <laughs> yeah, she would never she hurt her family. harm them. But I also what I also appreciate about that movie is you have Okay, so you have this daughter who's she's very horny is the best way to put it. She like every guy, she's just like lusting after every guy. And then you've got Chip who's like obsessed with horror movies. 
And so you would think they have this mom who is so like buttoned up and looks perfect and looks so suburban. You would think these kids would be very embarrassed by their mom and not like their mom, but you never get that impression, which was so interesting to me. It was like, they all kind of seem to like her. I mean, there are a couple moments where they're like, ah, like when she comes into Chip's room and ends up watching that movie and is saying all this lovey-dovey stuff to him. And he's just like, oh, mom. But still at the same time, you get the feeling they really love their mom. That no matter what, even when she's being dorky and dweeby to them, they still love her. And I just thought that was kind of interesting thing to put in there. I don't know, you know, because you would expect it to be the opposite, but I liked that it wasn't that way, really. So, I, yeah, no, I completely agree. They were all very like loving and caring and respectful because, yeah. you know, in the beginning, uh, Ricky likes chewing gum and uh, Beverly's <laughs> like, what do we say? You know, no gum in the house. And she's like, you know, so Ricky like spits it out. She's like, sorry, mom. And -hmm. just was like, okay. (laughs) Like I tried to get away with it, but that's fine. And I just, I do. I like that because I like that dynamic that they were a loving family and cared for and respected and didn't like turn on her or anything. (laughs) They're just like, Mm -hmm. We're like, well, we're not, we can't get rid of her. So what are we going to do? Well, we'll just keep (laughs) loving her and she'll be good to us. And hope. She doesn't kill anybody. And they're just all so supportive of each other. <laughs> sort of, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and then the wonderful appearance with uh, uh, L7 as the punk band Camel Lips. Oh, yes. Gosh. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> and then uh, I, I just love that the crowd like picks up Sam Watterson's character and you know crowd surfs him around and everything and i watched the behind the scenes thing and he was he was a little nervous but he's like they they did a good job you know they the punkers did a really good job and took very good care of sam so i'm like see punkers are nice people (laughs) exactly it's like if somebody falls they pick them up you know that that kind of thing yeah yeah and and i love Beverly that when she's in the mosh pit and she's rocking out and then she looks back at her husband and she like plugs her ears she's like, like oh she's so loud <laughs> and he's just like he's like Beverly we're getting you're you know you can see in his face he's like but you're getting chased by the police what are you doing <laughs> he's just caught off guard by how kind of oblivious she is yeah. mm-hmm. to all the legal troubles that she's in <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 amazing. I love that movie so much. So, it, I mean, I actually probably would say it's probably my favorite, even though Crybaby has that teen heart mm-hmm. thing for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I would say Serial Mom is maybe just a tad bit above it. But it's yeah. it's hard for me between the two. I love them both so much, kind of equally and for different reasons. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I still kind of keep going back and forth thinking about it. So, well, I'll, maybe I'll try and pinpoint by the time we get to that little bit, but <laughs> I want to talk about uh Pecker real quick. Cause I did get that in and that was a late nineties movie with uh, mm-hmm. Edward Furlong and uh, Christina Ricci. And it's all right. It's got very much a John Waters feel to it. It's kind of, again, more on the tame side. Well, yeah, not really. Cause you know, you still get like nudity, full frontal nudity, men and women and stuff. But I thought, the overall kind of storyline was was nice. You know, he wants to be a photographer and he happens to become a, a photographer when uh, some famous New York person sees his stuff and puts it on display. But since they're pictures of his family and people in town, they don't like being exploited like that. 
mm-hmm. there's a bit of a backlash, you know, to his newfound success. So, but then he kind of flips it. He ends up getting paid for all the photos that he sold at his big swanky New York showing. And he buys, because then there's this other whole other kind of B plot about like a strip club that shows full bush and this whole kind of like quasi obsession with like pubes (laughs) that John seems to have. And they're true. It is because they're like, you know, weird obsessions. I love it. And so they're just like, they're kind of protesting this, the nudie bar that features lesbians, full frontal uh, naked lesbians. And so there's a scene where there's one dancing and she's just like berating the crowd like, yeah, you know, lesbians, you like, you like watching lesbians dance, huh, assholes. And <laughs> like only John Waters could get away with shit like this. I swear to God. So he gets famous. He gets his money. He buys out like, uh, I think it was that club, but he buys out a club and kind of flips it on the fancy New York people and has a new showing where he's displaying all the fancy New York people. Mm-hmm. And so they have to come to Baltimore for the showing with all the quirky Baltimore folks that John always gives us. <laughs> and they all kind of come together and eventually kind of appreciate like his art and everything. And it's it's kind of a cute little movie in that sense. Um, you know, Christina Ricci plays his girlfriend who manages a laundromat and she's obsessed with running this laundromat. <laughs> and at one point she gives uh, Pecker a gift. She's like uh, for like during his first showing, which he has in like the little sandwich shop restaurant that he works in. And she's like, Oh, I brought this for you. And it's a bottle of detergent <laughs> with a cute little bow on it. Oh, it gets out these stains. So there's a, still a lot of these like quirky John water isms yeah. throughout, but it wasn't my favorite. It's not my favorite. It's I I, I don't know where to really place this because mm-hmm. it's it's not as for me as as endearing as you know our other movies that we our other 80s, 90 movies we talked about. And I don't know if it was just his attempt to make something with bigger named actors that was still him, but trying to keep it a bit more mainstream friendly ish, Mm -hmm. but still maintain him. I I don't know, but I wasn't, it was all right. (laughs) Not my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't rewatch it. I watched it like when it was first out and stuff. And it's definitely, I think it's probably bottom, bottom, bottom for me with Mm -hmm. John Waters. It didn't really work for me. And I I can't pinpoint why I, and I think it was kind of like, I don't know. It it felt like it was trying too hard to be something. And I don't know what it was trying to be, but it was trying too hard to be something. And even though, I mean, I like Christina Ritchie and I think it makes sense for her to be in the John Waters universe. She kind of Mm -hmm. fits there. And um, Edward Furlong was like, he was one of those, I, I wasn't one of them, but I had so many friends that he was like their crush since like T2 and stuff. Mm-hmm. I crushed on him for a while when I was a kid too. So now I'm, I was one of those. <laughs> so I like him and I think he's kind of, I wonder where he is, but he, <laughs> he's kind of one of those too, where it's like, he fits into that world because I don't think he ever wanted to be like a teen heartthrob and didn't want to be like a normal actor. Mm-hmm. But it just didn't really work. I think it was just kind of missing some pieces. It didn't feel like it had as much, uh, I don't know, not, I don't want to say lazy because I don't think it was lazy, but it didn't have as much heart in it or something. I don't know. It felt it was lacking something for sure. 
absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Can't pinpoint it either, but yeah, it was missing something. And I think Mm -hmm. maybe if it hadn't been missing, whatever it was, it maybe would have (laughs) landed a little better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. So then we move into kind of the two thousands and we get Cecil B. Demented and a dirty shame. So I did not get a chance to get Cecil B. Demented in. I did watch A Dirty Shame. Uh, Mm. You got in Cecil B. Demented, but not A Dirty Shame. So why don't you, (laughs) (laughs) why don't we revisit uh, Cecil with you real quick? Because I loved that movie and I'm bummed I didn't get it in, but catch us up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Cecil B. Demented is about a group of people, these group of these film snobs. I have actually known people like them, not people that kidnap people or do anything like that. But being in the film world, as I have been a lot, uh, I've known a lot of people like this. So they are film snobs that that's how I'm going to describe them, but they want to preserve the art of film or the art of cinema. And they feel like blockbusters and regular cinema is taking over and they don't like that. So they kidnap the big movie star um, played by Melanie Griffith, who I am amazed she did this movie, honestly, because the stuff she has to do in this movie and they kidnap her to make a movie. And they have also decided (laughs) to be celibate for celluloid, (laughs) which they say over and over again. And they're all very horny. Once again, horny, horny, horny. I mean, and they're led by Stephen Dorff, who I had the biggest crush on Stephen Dorff. years Mm -hmm. that's kind of gone away I think he's probably kind of an ass but But I loved him from like SFW and this great movie called Backbeat that actually is a really really good movie um but so he's the lead one and then you also get people like Maggie Gyllenhaal playing a Satanist Mm -hmm. and Alicia (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's just bizarre so bizarre (laughs) and then Alicia Witt, Witt who's like the who's she used to be a porn star. And so once again, I think that's a big part of his movies too, are people that are in the adult entertainment business. And so she's there and she just really wants to have sex with Cecil B. Demented, who's the character that Stephen Dorff plays. And he's just like, we can't until we finish the movie. So basically he's just kidnapped her to make this movie. That was the whole goal was to make this movie that's basically arguing that, you know, cinema is dead and that we need to bring back independent cinema. And this movie, (laughs) what is so interesting about this movie to me is I think this was John Waters trying to get back to his original roots, honestly, because even though it's got some, it's, you know, it's got a mainstream star, Melanie Griffith, it's got, you know, I I would never call Stephen Dorff a mainstream star. He'd probably (laughs) want to be called a mainstream star, but I don't think he necessarily is. Um, I I could get behind that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he. He's a star, but yeah, I wouldn't categorize him as mainstream as like a a Ryan Reynolds or The Rock, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, but then there's Melanie Griffith and Ricky Lake's in it too, plays um, Melanie Griffith's character's manager. Melanie Griffith is this horrible star and she's so rude and mean and they're in Baltimore, of course. Um, And (laughs) there's just so much about this movie that is so, I watched this last night right before I went to bed. there's just so much about this movie that's so like his earlier stuff. It's really interesting because even though there's not a lot of gross out stuff really, but there's a lot of like the sex stuff is very, very, very pervasive throughout this thing. I mean, there are so many things where it's just like a lot of people getting off, like 
watching someone change or um, like uh, Michael Shannon's in this movie too, which I forgot he was mm-hmm. in this movie, a young, and I, I love Michael Shannon. And he's like humping a camera. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's the most bizarre thing. And then there's a hairdresser who's straight and he hates that he's straight and he wishes he was gay. That's right. And, yes. And the, then the camera operator, Michael Shannon's character is like in love with him, but he can't feel anything. He's like, when I kiss him, all I feel is whiskers. And I just <laughs> And it's just so bizarre. I'm having a hard time explaining it because it's just such a weird movie. But what's so interesting to me about it is I'm watching it and I'm going, because I think there's a mixture in this. I think it's John Waters kind of saying, you know, movies are, they've become too much about money and too much about awards and too much about that kind of stuff. But I think he's also making fun of people like him, like his group. Because, you know, when the, when all the people in um, Cecil's um, crew introduce themselves, they all have like tattoos of like some independent filmmaker, some mature, and they've all got these different tattoos of someone like uh, Peck and Pie, I think was one. I can't remember who else was in there. And Spike Lee and a bunch of other little, Spike Lee's not little, yeah. but I mean, like more people that started it in independent cinema or like mm-hmm. were pushing on that kind of thing. And so I think even though he's embracing these weird characters and they're like the heroes of the story at the same time, I think he's kind of poking fun at them. So I think this is kind of a self-referential film where he's kind of looking at himself in the mirror and saying, you know, maybe sometimes we're full of ourselves too. the ones that are on the outside trying to push the envelope. And we're saying we're different. Maybe we're not so different. And we actually want that fame and that respect because even though these characters are like trying not to get that at the same time, they actually kind of trying are are trying to, because mm-hmm. there's moments when they're watching themselves on TV and, you know, and then Melanie Griffith's character ends up going to their side basically. And Cecil ends up basically killing himself, lighting himself on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. I had forgotten because I was glad I rewatched this one because I had forgotten so much of this movie until I rewatched it. And I was like, oh yeah, oh my gosh, this movie is bizarre. Because I remember when it came out and I was just so excited because Stephen Dorff was in a John Waters film. That's all I cared about. (laughs) And the opening credit sequence where you watch like it's all these marquees and you'll see like big name movies and then it flips to like the stars of that movie. It's just, it's an interesting it's an interesting movie. I'm, I mean, I don't know if it's one of my favorites and I don't think it's necessarily very rewatchable, but it was fun rewatching it this time and remembering who was in it. Like I forgot Maggie Gyllenhaal was in it. I forgot Michael Shannon was in it and watching these people that became bigger stars and how free they looked like they felt and how much everybody looked like they were having fun Everybody, including Melanie Griffith, I think she was having a blast making this movie mm-hmm. because she got to not be Melanie Griffith, really. I mean, I think she was I think she was playing a caricature of her mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, when she's like all like snobby, which I don't ever have not thought of her that way, but because she was a big movie star. Um, but you could tell she was like, oh, my gosh, I get to let loose and I get to be weird and bizarre And I get to do things that nobody would ever usually let me do. Like probably, I mean, I wonder how her agent thought of her taking this (laughs) movie. Um, So that part was fun to watch her. Uh, But, you know, it definitely would not be one of my favorites. I do like it. It's just, 
it's, it's a lot and it's doing a lot and it's trying a lot, but it is funny watching it and going, yep, these are all the film snobs I knew. They would never yep. do this, I don't think, but... <laughs> Hey, I love independent cinema. That's my, that's, I love indie films so much. And so I appreciate that, but there is a snobbery in that community big time. And I think this film just really, really captures that. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 100% agree with everything you said. Um, like I, said <laughs> I, I didn't get a rewatch in, but I remember feeling and thinking all a lot of those same things when I, when it like kind of first came out and I first watched it. Cause I, I loved it and I watched it a lot and, and it, it does kind of feel like a bit of a, a, a finger and a mirror to the yeah. film industry, to mm-hmm. mainstream and to the independence. I think you nailed that perfectly. And that just goes to show again, how awesome John Waters is that he's able to poke fun of himself, mm-hmm. uh, his, his quote people, you know, the, the freaks and weirdos, the, the independent snobs and all of that. Uh, like I said, nothing's off the table with him. And I can really, I just really appreciate that. And I think that's, I think it's really refreshing mm-hmm. that as a filmmaker, he's able to do that and push all those buttons and make fun of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of want to give it a, just watch it some night because it's been so, so long mm-hmm. and it's, <laughs> just yeah bizarre <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah and and going from bizarre to bizarre uh is uh, a dirty shame which i just watched finished watching today and that one you can definitely tell he's there's a lot of kind of more like old school john waters feel to it you have tracy ullman chris isaac and i love him i just I realized today, I'm like, I think I just kind of adore Chris Isaac. He just kind of seems like a cool guy. I'll tell you some Chris Isaac stories from you. Sorry. (laughs) And and, uh, and Selma Blair. And I'm sorry, who does not fucking love Selma Blair? I I don't know anyone, but so it's just, (laughs) it's the most ridiculous shit. Oh, and Johnny Mm -hmm. Knoxville's in it. And yeah. So Tracy Ullman plays like a, a house suburban kind of housewife who's very kind of uptight and, and prudish. Selma Blair is like uh, her daughter who's got these ridiculously gigantic tits. And Chris Isaac is the husband of Tracy Ullman. So she gets into a car accident or whatever. She gets a concussion that turns her into a sex addict. And Johnny Knoxville plays Ray Ray, who's like the leader, the cult leader of the sex addicts and brings it's 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 bonkers again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We were messaging earlier, uh, you had said that polyester was interesting. And I was like, can't that be said about every single, like all of his movies? Yes. And yeah, <laughs> this was interesting, not just for kind of a bit of that shock value, you know, because I think it got like that NC-17 rating mm-hmm. and they were like, well, what would we have to, what can you cut? They asked him, you know, to bring it down to an R. He's like, if I cut it, then it's only going to be like 10 minutes. <laughs> So, but you got that feel of a, of that old school kind of John Waters. Um, There's a a character, Big Ethel, who kind of leads like the prudish bunch, the neutered, the neuters. And she does that with um, Mink Stoll. And I guess John Waters said that had Divine still been alive, Divine would have played Big Ethel. So, which I totally could have seen Mm -hmm. Divine in that role and it would have been great. But the actress that he got, Susan something, I can't remember, but. She does a really good job kind of leading that 
that pretty force. But so Tracy Ullman's going back and forth because she gets she gets concussed and she turns horny and she goes around and then she gets concussed again and she goes back to like being a prude or recovering sex addict. So then they treat it as like an addiction and she's going mm-hmm. to like therapy and stuff and, and, and just kind of back and forth. And then there's like a big like sex kind of war in the streets, you know, the neuters versus like the sex addicts. And eventually everyone comes around to be sex addicts and <laughs> and the shit that they're doing in this movie, like Tracy Ullman's character, like the, the craziest version of uh, the hokey pokey. She's getting all, she's already all horny. And so she's getting hornier and then she jumps in the middle and she's just all gyrating. And then someone throws a water bottle and then, so she crotches it. And then she stands and there's like this water bottle hanging out from under her skirt. And I love Tracy Ullman. She's hilarious. She's great. I I love seeing her kind of in this, in this crazy role that I feel it was still very Tracy Ullman esque, something mm-hmm. that she would not shy away from doing. I think she's all in for a laugh. And then Chris Isaac is trying to like, he just seems so clueless, like for most of the movie. And he just kind of gets swept up with like the neuter group and trying to maintain like this purity. And then when Tracy Ullman is back to being uh, kind of more prudish than they're all like for the fight and everything. And some of Blair's character who uh, with the giant tits, she goes from being like sex crazed to quote normal and then back to sex crazed. And it's just, everyone's just like moaning and gyrating and humping and fucking and licking. And, and it's just, it, my takeaway is that this is a movie about accepting kinks and because mm-hmm. at one point, Johnny Maxwell's character, Ray, Ray Ray says something like, you know, they're opening and welcome. And as long as it's consensual and no one's getting hurt and they're adults, who cares kind of thing? Like, we're all mm-hmm. for it. And that, that's a sentiment I can absolutely get behind. So thanks to John Rod Waters, he takes it to that next step and that next level. And people are just getting funky in the streets and <laughs> just like poop that falls from a plane. Oh, David Hasselhoff's in it. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> forgot about that <laughs> it falls and it forms into a rock and then it hits Chris Isaac's head and then he becomes all sex craze and and then they're all happy because now they're a happy like sex crazed family and I, <laughs> the end, <laughs> the end. <laughs> one of my favorite lines was uh Tracy Olman's character when she's talking to Selma Blair her daughter and she's like I'm a cunnilingus bottom and I'm your mom like <laughs> so and that's really kind of like our last like kind of big mainstream movie directed Mm -hmm. by John Waters now I think he's done a lot of writing and uh, a friend of mine sent me a a still from season four of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel where he appears oh I haven't watched that show yet so but yeah dirty shame was almost like his own love letter to him, himself, to his old movies, kind mm-hmm. of felt like. And one last, maybe fuck you to mainstream media. Like you're <laughs> going to give me the money to put these names in and to make this, <laughs> make this movie. And so this is what I'm going to give you. And now I'm out deuces. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. And like, I didn't get to rewatch it, but I've watched it before because I'm, I'm a huge Chris Isaac fan. I, I have seen him in concert like about five times, five or six times. 
and he is incredible in concert. Seriously, if you ever get a chance to see him, he like, and I haven't seen him in years, so I don't know if he still does the same stuff, but he like tells stories while he's up there. He's a natural born performer. He runs through the audience. He'll sometimes grab people and bring them up on stage with him. He stays after and signs autographs for everyone who wants one for free. Yeah. Yeah. And he's very shy in person. That's what's so interesting about him. He's very, very, very shy. And the first time I met him and I shared this recently on our episode, it was after a show at Red Rocks, which is this really great, one of the best concert venues in the world Mm -hmm. here in Colorado. And walked up and his handlers are like, you know, don't touch him. Just don't, don't touch him. Like, okay. So I get up there. I have my hand on the table and he puts his hand on top of my hand. And all I could think of was what they said. So I pulled my hand away <gasps> stupidly. <laughs> oh. I'm like, he touched you, Aaron. You didn't touch him. But anyway, I just wanted to share that story because I just, I, I love Chris Isaac. I've, I've loved Chris Isaac forever. So I love that story. That's so cute. <laughs> Like, I'm just trying to do what I was told. Wait, shit, missed opportunities. <laughs> I know. I was like, what? What? He's the one who touches your hand, Aaron. You're not your hand away. And he's, he's 10 times more attractive in person. Seriously, he's gorgeous in person. But yeah, but I liked that movie a lot because I think that's true. And one thing about John Waters, and I think that movie really shows it, is he doesn't shame people for their sexuality. And that's what I really appreciate about him. Like, like you said, this is just basically like a movie from what I remember. And I will definitely have to rewatch it um, where it is like, okay, here's all these kinks and we're not going to shame them. We're just going to embrace them. And in the end, it's like, yep, we're one happy kinky family. (laughs) There's a guy that's like into dirt, like dirt gets him off. And he's like, I thought I was the only one. Yeah, see, so, every kink you can think of. Yeah. And they all come together. That's their community. That's what brings them together. Mm-hmm. And they all share in that. And they're all happy, a happy kinky family. So <laughs> it was it was yeah. an interesting, again, an interesting movie. Uh, I did enjoy it because it's for a lot of his movies, it's hard not to just kind of smile. If you're a fan and you know mm-hmm. kind of what you're going to be getting, you, you can't not smile and kind of enjoy it. These crazy off the wall, these funny tongue in cheek moments, or even just kind of like these sweet, happy family moments under insane circumstances. Yeah. (laughs) So I I love it. I love John Waters. I love his storytelling. I love his vision and his openness and embracing. And the fact that the man has over like what, eight, 9,000 books. Mm -hmm. So there's a book that uh, in a dirty shame, Hasselhoff is reading. He's on the airplane and it's something it's titled something like suicide at a Hollywood level or something like that. And it sounds insane, but it's an actual <laughs> book that belongs to John Waters <laughs> that huh. he put in, in, into his movie. That man's nuts. And I appreciate him for everything that he has given mm-hmm. us. Me too. I kind of want to touch because you had suggested the documentary I Am Divine, which is on Mm -hmm. Netflix. So I watched it and oh, what a great fucking documentary. I loved getting to know more about Divine, like beyond kind of the character and beyond kind of what we we knew of her Mm -hmm. and meeting that person and seeing that drive and that determination and that willingness to do whatever, and just leaning into it and owning a lot of it. So thank you for that recommendation. 
And, you know, thank you to John Waters for bringing us divine. Mm -hmm. It was so sweet. I left, I cried. I just was like, it was so pure. (laughs) It was really was. Yeah. So if you listeners, if you haven't watched it, check it out. I am divine. Mm -hmm. It's on Netflix. You can rent it. I think pretty much on any other streaming platform, but it's so, so good. We'll get down to the favorites (laughs) now. You said, you know, Cry Baby, Serial Mom, Hairspray. Those are kind of like your top three. Yes. Are they in any particular order? Is it a pretty set order? Is there some fluctuation? Like I said, um, Cry Baby and Hairspray. I mean, not Hairspray. Cry Baby and Serial Mom are pretty much like they're fighting it out constantly for the number one spot. Right now, I'd say Serial Mom is just on top, but it could change. If I were to go watch Cry Baby right now, I might be like, okay even though I just watched it, mm-hmm. <laughs> I might still be like, okay, I'm going to put it on top. And so those two are battling it out constantly. And then of course, hairspray would be the third. So I'd say that's pretty much the way it would stay uh, would be those three for, for varying reasons. They just, they hold a special place in my heart for a lot of reasons. I mean, Crybaby and hairspray, like hold like the special place in my heart for the teen me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. And preteen me. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I do love Crybaby so much. And my husband and I were talking about that, about that movie. And his favorite character in Crybaby is Hatchet Face. Oh, yeah. He's like, he's like, Hatchet Face is awesome. She's like, she's she's just so ugly, but she doesn't care. And she's got a man that loves her no matter what. And mm-hmm. so, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> Being supportive of that character and her strength and independence and <laughs> the love that she found. So but yeah, you know, crybaby. We also get like Iggy Pop in it. We <laughs> in a bucket. The bath. Yeah, that. <laughs> that was so silly. And I love, I love. You know, we talk about you know him getting Kathleen Turner and Sam Watterson, like all these big name people that you would never mm-hmm. expect to appear in a John Waters movie, appear, and then they just have like the best time. And so that I think that really says something too about the environment that he creates again for everyone mm-hmm. and not just, you know, like the, the quote freaks and weirdos and troublemakers, but also like the big name. And so everyone kind of feels safe and able to have fun and create something that folks will enjoy. Yeah. Crybaby, hairspray, cereal mom, top three, no specific order. <laughs> I would say maybe follow closely by like Cecil. And then probably a dirty shame. Unfortunately, I think his earlier stuff is going to be a little bit <laughs> just because they're a little harder to watch, but I yeah. still appreciate them for what they are and what they brought us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other stray observations, anything else you want to bring up about Mr. Waters or <laughs> any of his cavalcade of characters and crew? There, there's so much I could, I could say, but um, I, I do want to shout out when Kathleen Turner, when Beverly is singing um, Daybreak, when she's always singing Daybreak, just the way she sings that, because that is the cheesiest song. And it's just how exuberant she is about that song. And she loves that song so much. I just want to shout out that scene because I love the way she plays that. And as someone who worked in a video store, I used to work in one of those big name chain ones for years. It was always frustrating when people didn't rewind and I have to say, I mean, I never wanted to kill anyone for doing it. I, I want to say that, but when she kills, everyone, it's like shouting 
rewind and rewind that movie. And she hits rewind on the but Annie was so perfect and great and amazing. And was like one of those scenes of like taking out all your frustration that you have, because I think, I think I might've just stopped working at the video or I was still working at the video store when I first watched this. So it was like, yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that feeling when people don't rewind their video tips. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it was so flipping frustrating. <laughs> it's one of those, my husband and I have talked about this. It was one of those small things that showed like kind of a, a large amount of kindness. Cause I mean, the same yeah, was be kind, true. rewind. So that <laughs> tiny bit and this, these younger, these kids today I'm telling you, no, <laughs> <laughs> they don't know how to be basic, ki- basically kind because you, they never did the small thing of rewinding the videotape. Because <laughs> exactly the second true. you get a, a VHS and it wasn't rewound, it was infuriating. Mm-hmm. And not that rewinding really took forever. No, but it felt like it. Yeah, because you're just like, oh, it's movie night. I want to get stuck. God damn it. <laughs> so yeah. we we... You know, that that's kind of our quote theory is that why 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 humanity is lacking basic kindness. It's because there's a whole generation of people that never had to be kind and rewind. That's I love that. That's hilarious. We had like the special rewind machines like they were actually machines and so that we could rewind videotapes that they, as they would come in because we'd have to check them all. There'd be occasions when it didn't happen. And we'd be checking out someone and be like, well, do you want us to rewind this? <laughs> and nine times out of 10, they'd be like, yes. Yes. I go, oh gosh. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that was, that was, yeah. Yeah. And I want to say he used to, um, John Waters used to host the independent spirit awards and he did that for years and then he stopped doing it. And I just want to give a shout out for that because I thought he was such a great host. I don't know if you ever watched those, Jen, but I'm an award show geek and I loved those. So, and he was so great and just such a different, just the total opposite of anyone that would ever be hosting the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. So shout out for that. So <laughs> right on, right on. I love it when he, I didn't know that. And I, I love it when he just kind of does things when he just kind of, I mean, that's not really so much just like appearing, but I mean, I didn't know that. So to me, it's like, oh, he's appearing as a host at an award show. That's yep. awesome. Um, One of my other like favorite kind of appearances of John Waters was in the show. My name is Earl. Do you ever watch that show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so a guy dies and Earl has to help put together like the funeral arrangements. And like John Waters plays like this quirky uh, mortician (laughs) and he specializes in kind of like propping up the bodies in weird, funky, interesting, but representative of that person's lifestyle and (laughs) likes. And you couldn't have found a better person to play that role. And so in watching that series way back, I was like, (gasps) Oh, it's John Waters. Yes. It's a weird, quirky role. I love it. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) And he's one of the few men that can rock a mustache, I want to say. And such a tiny tiny little mustache. (laughs) I think I'd agree with that. John Waters without his mustache is just. No. (laughs) No. No. Thank you, John Waters and your tiny pencil mustache. (laughs) everything you have given us. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) I guess that's going to do it for us. So unless you got anything you wanted to add or throw out or shout out or anything, just that I love John Waters and thank you for allowing me to be able to geek out about him until recently. I had like nobody on my roster for my podcast that loved John Waters. And it was very disappointing when I did cult films and I was the only person on the panel that liked his movies. And I'm like, 
seriously. <laughs> That's Which, a shame. Yes, a dirty shame for sure. <laughs> nice. Beautiful. Well done. I love it. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But that's all. I just I love John Waters. So thank you, John Waters, for being you. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Uh well, so before we uh pop off, Aaron, let us know what's been streaming in your bubble. Well, <laughs> the only person that's the only person, the only things that stream in my bubble are either podcast prep or Finn Whitrock is all I, I've been watching. So I apologize that it's just my life, my world, but uh, I'm starting to watch my so-called life again, because we're going to be doing an episode on it. And I still love that show. I don't like Jared Leto, but I will always love Jordan Catalano mm-hmm. as problematic as Jordan Catalano. Is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that show is the most accurate depiction of being in high school. I think that it's ever been on television and deserved more than one season. So that, but if any of your listeners, because I've been, you know, Finn Whitrock rabbit hole, if anybody knows any fan vids out there with Tristan, <laughs> Tristan and Liz from American Horse Trail, <laughs> sorry, I have to, I'm using another platform to be able to try and get this. Please let me know. Because <laughs> I love that couple. Uh, but that's, that's, um, I saw a really good movie called A Mouthful of Air. Um, I just want to shout it out again because. We need to be talking about mental health more in this country and we don't do it enough. And please, please go see this, but please, please, please listen to the content warnings before the movie, because it's very, very triggering if you've ever dealt with depression or anything like that. So just give it, I know that's not streaming, streaming, but not, I guess not too many very interesting things that I recommend there. Dexter's back. Hey, Dexter's yeah, back. Yeah, Dexter's back. We're doing uh Thursday <laughs> tweets and then following up with, a uh, live uh, recap on uh, Aaron. It's a fandom things YouTube channel. So uh, make sure you follow her. Aaron, tell us where you can be found and where to follow. So we stay current on all that good, good show talking in your interviews. <laughs> and we'll do, uh, you can follow the show. You can get facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. You can follow us on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. I'm extremely active on Twitter. I live on Twitter. It's pretty bad how often I'm on Twitter, maybe. I don't know. Uh, you follow us on Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod, on TikTok <laughs> at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. I have a feeling we're going to be told eventually stop making Finn with Rucks. TikTok, TikToks, TikToks, TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a Freudian slip, I think. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, you, can, you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, um, all of those. I can't think of a lot of the other ones, but you can find us there. You can find us pretty much anywhere. Uh, but yeah, check us out. And we cover all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from the female perspective. But we also do interviews. Hopefully one day we'll have an interview with John Waters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be so cool. So yeah, and, and you can follow me if you want to. It's just usually whatever I'm geeking out about. So be prepared for that. But it's E April Beauty, the E and the A and the B are capitalized on Twitter. Sorry, on Twitter. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you. And yeah, make sure you give her a follow. She's hilarious and awesome on Twitter. We got a lot of fun oh. polls and stuff. And yeah, our, you know, just classic Finn content. <laughs> and make sure you post all your the best Finn content, anything, especially Tristan and Liz Taylor from American horror story hotel all the things yes so, please <laughs> yes please so 
give me all the fin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much you. for joining me in my bubble today, Aaron. It's been great. Well, I definitely got to have to gonna, definitely going to have you back and we'll figure out the next thing we can uh, geek out about. Uh, but until then, uh, thank you everyone for listening and joining today and keep streaming. Bye. Say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> the way you said say goodbye. Bye. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at mystreamingbubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at buymeacoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming.